This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. And leading into the Seahawks 2019 season, we're bringing up some of the biggest questions just throughout the offseason and then going into 2019. And joining me once again to talk about it is Seahawkers podcast contributor and co-creator of TNT Dynamite Thursdays, Mr. Clinton Bonner. How you doing? Feeling good. And I'm actually uh, really enjoying this this little series we got going. So fired up to uh, to continue down into another topic, you know? Yeah, we're, we could probably I don't even know how much farther we're going to go with this, but we are on our third topic. We talked about wide receivers to start things off. Last, we talked about defensive line and now we're going into running backs, which is an interesting question because the Seahawks were the top rushing team in the league last year. And there's a lot of questions that revolve around that, especially we have the departure of Mike Davis, who was the number two guy in terms of running the football last year. But there's also Rashad Penny, who missed a couple games last year due to injury and the number one draft pick for the Seahawks overall in 2018, coming into his second year. A lot of questions there, but I want to start off one with I I know that's near and dear to your heart, Clinton. <laughs> how do you replace Trey Madden's production at fullback in 2019? How how can it be done? See that the thing with with that is it's it's like it's like a it's like a puzzle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a sweater, right? The the beautiful answer is you don't have to. <laughs> you know that's that's the nice part is. I don't even like use the, use the fullback less, maybe don't even use a fullback, you know, and, uh, and, and Trey Madden was pretty much hot garbage. I, I wish him well in the rest of his, his uh, adult life, but, but not as a Seahawks. So, uh, that's, it's, it's a nice way to start it off. Like let, let's cleanse the Trey Madden era and, and move on to, uh, productive players, you know, we, we now move on from the Trey Madden era and into a, a new era of production at fullback with the Seahawks. But really, the questions aren't at fullback because how much are they going to use a a fullback anyway? They'll probably carry one because they always do. But the main questions are at running back. And like I said, the Seahawks top rushing team in the league, Chris Carson last year, over a thousand yards, the first guy to do that since the Seahawks had Marshawn Lynch. And it doesn't feel like he's been gone that long, but it, it kind of feels like he's been gone a while. And can the Seahawks match that production? I know people who play fantasy football, and I think the main question they want to know is between Chris Carson, between Rashad Penny, is there another guy? Which one of the Seahawks running backs do I draft first? Who's going to be the star of the Seahawks rushing squad in 2019? Yeah, I've got, I've got, a, I've got an answer for that one. So, I mean, and I listen to a fair, I play in four, usually four different fantasy leagues, uh, four different money leagues. And I listened to the the CBS uh, was it the CBS Fantasy Podcast. I forget the exact name, but the really famous one. Listen to them all the time. It's funny because like they never they they pretty much poo poo Chris Carson all the time. I know they see it from a fa- pure fantasy value standpoint, and that's you know this is not what this pod's about. But they are so high on on Penny, like that entire they're they're all like wow Penny coming into year two. The the ceiling is is so much higher, and it, it's it's he's the dude to draft. Like wait a little longer, take Penny, avoid Carson, and I just think they're one hundred percent wrong on this one. I just think they're just will, in my opinion, will Penny perhaps have a a larger role? I think so. Probably hard to see him having a smaller role than last year. Um, but overall, I mean, Carson is the number one back. Like he is the better back. He's the more aggressive back. He's the more consistent back. 
And, uh, you know, and, and he, he's the backpack. Like Carson will be the number one guy as long as he's healthy. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think the, I think it's like a 65, 35 split still where Carson gets, you know, he is maybe not the, is the Elliot bell cow, but he is getting, he's still getting the lion's share of the, of the primary carries. That's how I see it. I don't see Penny taking over Carson in this year, just not at all. What, what's your take there? Well, and I think you brought it up within your answer. It's the, the big question is if Chris Carson is going to be healthy. And last year he did. It seemed like he struggled with health and a couple of t- at a couple moments throughout the season. And it seemed to me those times where he was getting a big number of carries. But he did start in 14 games last season. And it, it is kind of curious to me to hear you bring up uh, among the fantasy football circle that they think that Penny is going to be the number one guy, because what do you look at? I I look at the yards per attempt for Penny. And yes, it's four point nine. But Chris Carson was also four point seven. So it's not that much of a difference because yards per attempt is a, a good number to look at to determine, you know, when they did touch the football, what was the the number that they were consistently hitting? And we did see flashes from Penny when he got the ball and he looked like he had that big play capability in him, you know, when he is rushing to one side and then, you know, he does the Barry Sanders thing and and changes to directions and goes toward the other side of the field. Now, it's Barry Sanders esque, but it's yeah, I know it's near, near blaspheme right there. But, you know, but I'll, I, I he was the one it. guy that could do it, though. He, he was the one guy where he could go running to one side of the field, completely go to the other side of the field and still pick up yardage. Yeah, and but I also remember on a couple of those occasions, he ran to one side of the field, had a hole and decided to not use it and then go backwards, you know, 20 yards. And then, and then yes, he still, you know, broke it, broke it for some big gains. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm still the one part that I am enthused about is that they're saying that Penny is also he came in quite a bit leaner. Yeah, now, maybe he was actually a little overweight last year. He worked it off as the year went on, got a little bit slimmer and he did look a little quicker, like even in the Dallas game. You know, Carson was doing nothing to everybody. You know, we we talked about that game ad nauseum, and Carson did not have things going. And actually, Penny was probably the better back in that playoff game. Just having to admit that he just he looked, uh, you know, he just he he had he, his touches were were more impressive than Carson's. So I don't know. I think maybe the fantasy folks are going off of that and just saying, well, it's a second year dude who can catch the balls out of the backfield. Also, the big thing there too is with fantasy. They're always going to look, most times they're looking at, um, you know, pass per catch leagues, right? Like we get one one point per per pass reception, PPR sure. leagues. Uh, and they're also looking at at that that second thing is like that, hey, there's no more Mike Davis. Mike Davis had something, what, 40-something targets or 40-something receptions last year? Yeah. So that becomes a piece there too from the fantasy realm. I just think they, they expect uh, Penny to be in the game quite a bit and then receiving a lot of maybe second down if we actually don't do a, you know, a, you know, run, run pass. Let's see what Shoddy does there, of course. But, but I think that's the interesting part too, is they expect a lot of those swing passes out of the backfield to go to Penny. But man, I, I, I don't see Chris Carson as a dude who can't catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's pretty good there too. He was, he was the second most right behind Mike Davis last year with 34 receptions for 214 yards. Uh, Davis only 6.3 yards per reception. Chris Carson though, 20 receptions, 163 yards, 8.2 yards per reception right there with Penny's 8.3 yards. And he only had nine catches for 75 yards. So it's interesting to me that Carson and Penny there again, both 
kind of similar numbers when it comes down to yards per reception. Of course, Mike Davis was that go to guy. And there is that question of of who does that go to? And almost to me, I look at Chris Carson as being the guy who can pick that up on third down now, as opposed to Rashad Penny. If if a guy's going to be in there on first and second down, I I might lean toward Penny on those downs. If if you're going to try and split it up and give Carson more of the Mike Davis third down role. And, you know, and, uh, and for me too, an interesting piece of that is I don't really have a good barometer or memory on Penny being a particularly good pass blocker last year when he had to, when he had to block, I don't think he was in that many situations. So I just don't have like a lot of, a lot of data in my brain, at least to go from, but I kind of feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like watching Penny do a pretty poor job when he tried to block a few times last year. And I, and obviously Davis was in, was in there more, more often anyway, but do you, do you have any, any recollection of, of Penny as a pass blocker? Because to me, that's a big thing is, okay, are you in at third down? It's like, well, can you block, you know, can you block it all? Cause Hey, half the time, you won't be an outlet receiver. You're, you're going to be asked to stay back and you know pick up that linebacker, pick up the blitz. So I just don't remember Penny as a blocker. Do you have any uh, any recollection? I don't remember him being you know a particular standout type of blocker. And I think that was a question of whether he would, because coming out of college, there was the question of would he be any good at it. Right. So I I don't think that we we saw that. I'm like you. I I don't have a particular memory of him being good or terrible. <laughs> but I also right. think that he wasn't really in those positions because you did have Mike Davis on the team. So is it going to be like when we talked about with receivers, you know, the guy that's going to have the most impact on the team is going to be that guy that gets those third down catches that normally went to Doug Baldwin in previous years. We, we don't quite know who's going to fill that third down role this year, whether it's going to be Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, or maybe is it Travis Homer, CJ Procise, JD McKissick. There's other options. Yeah, certainly are. Just, and, and I just, I, I, I think if it's like day one right now, you know, I, I think it's like the best candidate to the best, the best candidate to be in a third down to me is still Carson. I feel like he yeah. can block better. He is, he's got good hands. You read the stats earlier. Like, I don't know, like what's, what's wrong with, you know, getting, getting him you know, 40, 40 to 50 targets and, and, you know, dare I say, making him more of a third down back this year, if the other dudes, you know, either, either just don't step up or, or they can't block. I mean, you have to be able to block if you're, if you're in there on third down and I, I'm not too sure I trust Penny. I was down on Penny last year. I'm still obviously still kind of down on Penny going into year two, but, um, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully the, the dude just, the, the, the dude is just better than, than what I think he is and, and he emerges. But yeah, I, I look at that, those other folks that are out there, it's like, man, I would just, does Procise make this team? I mean, is he, is, do, do we think he makes it through training camp and actually has a, an active roster spot? I mean, he's got to be hanging on by a thread at this point. I mean, any, any thoughts on if you, if you're a betting man, what, uh, what line do you lay down to say, you know, Procise is either on the team or or booted by like, you know, second week of training camp. Right. His position on the team, I think, depends a lot on the health of other players on the team. You know, it's kind of the irony of it is no, I that say, I think for him to make the team <laughs> is that another running back has to get injured and he has to not get injured. So I, the probability to me seems really low of both those things happening. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I felt like, you know, I'm not, ex, I'm not extremely high in McKissick right now either. And then you got, you got Homer 
which is a great name, you know, and the dude's coming from, from the U. Um, and he just looks like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, one of those kind of under the radar players. He's not, he's not the top running back getting, getting love. He's, I, I don't, don't even remember how, like how, how far down was he drafted in terms of like, just in terms of running backs, was he like the 10th running back, the 12th running back off the board in general, 20th, you know, plenty of running backs that went before, before Travis Homer. But you go back and watch the guy's tape. It's like, yeah, this dude could play. And that's like, I'll even say this. I was watching what was that? The, what was that league that crumbled in like six weeks? The AAF right. was that what AAF, it was? right? Yeah, I remember watching some of those games, and my whole my big takeaway was like, never draft running backs. Like, always draft quarterbacks. Always draft draft elite, <laughs> elite receivers because some of those dudes could not catch. Talk you know talk about stone hands from the last episode, but the running backs in that league were all pretty, you know, they're all pretty good. Like they were dudes that you could be like, oh, okay, you know, if some guy got hurt, that guy's pretty fast. He's, yeah. he's got vision, plug him in. So, you know, I, I'm pretty bullish that a guy like Homer could come in and just, and just surprise to the upside. And I think because he's a rookie, if we're kind of force ranking those, those three, those three folks that are kind of like that third leg of the stool there, I think it goes Homer, McKissick, Procise, you know, just because, or maybe even, Homer, Procise, McKissick, kind of in that order of, of the opportunities they're going to get just because of like, he's new, he's a draft pick. You know, Carol's going to want to see see what he has with him. And Procise has been hurt for so many freaking years that if he is actually healthy, I think Carol's going to want to see, can he get something valuable out of Procise? So I think McKissick ends up being almost the odd man out if Procise could be healthy. Well, to answer one of your first questions of where Homer went among the running backs, he was he was top 20. He was the 32nd pick of round six. So I think that puts him right around 17 or 18 among the running backs that were taken off the board in the in the 2019 draft. So he's down the list a little bit. But if you remember Pete Carroll and and crew talking about what they really liked from Homer, they thought he was the best special teams player of the draft. And so that was really where that selection went in. And then J.D. McKissick, too. He's another guy who I really like. The team doesn't even have him listed as RB running back on their official roster. He's listed as a return specialist. Hmm. So that's a little bit curious to me. How, How do all those factors then play in to who they ultimately end up keeping on the roster? And because of the special teams factor and what they liked for him coming out of the draft, it leads me to believe that Homer probably finds a spot on this team as the third, you know, potential third running back behind Penny and Carson. And then I also, if they aren't even listing McKissick as a running back, you know, maybe they're looking at him as just a sole special teams role, but also he does have that capability of playing running back and playing receiver. So having that versatility, I think, helps McKissick's case for staying on the roster. Does that mean that they're t- keeping another running back or that, you know, obviously they have the one fullback who kind of seems like they brought him in from what Detroit, uh, yeah. Nick Ballor. So that kind of seems like it's going to be, you could make it work with that crew of, of running backs and, and say that you have enough at that point. And then Russell Wilson, you know, your number four rusher from last season. Yeah, and he didn't even rush all that much, right? He was definitely, definitely much, much less aggressive and, and a heck of a lot less, um, heck of a lot less uh, run options uh, right. last year. In, in fact, to the point where we we're like, hey, you know, some of these situations, like pull the ball down, it'd be super cool to pull one here, right? And uh, 
which we actually saw. Remember, late in the season, we saw it a couple times. It was it was a couple times late in the year. I was like, oh, they finally pulled one back. And of course, you know, eight, nine, 10, 15 yards later, he's getting first downs there too. So that's actually something interesting too that we we didn't touch on with the receivers is just the the idea that with Baldwin now out. Do we expect, we're talking about running backs, do we expect Russell Wilson's running to kind of tick back up a little bit, especially in those third down situations? If we find ourselves in third and five, third and six, third and seven, uh, which we will because we have Schottenheimer, so we're, we're going we're gonna to be in those situations. That's actually a cool thing to, to, to kind of track is like last year with Baldwin and the years previous with Baldwin versus this year, how many more times has Russell pulled down and, and keep it, you know, keep that on the option, just go for it himself because maybe he doesn't have that go-to receiver now. And then how does that impact the whole running game in general? That's That'd be a cool little, little stat to track if uh, any, any of the, the little flockers out there want to do some math, I suppose. Yeah, I would love to see some trends on what the Seahawks have done historically on third down when Baldwin wasn't in the game. I think that that would help provide us with just a little bit of insight on what they could be doing this coming season. But Clinton, now that you brought up our offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, I think that's leading us in a direction that I want to explore in terms of the run game. And I don't think Seahawks fans are going to want to go there, but I think we should get into it after the break. Okay, Clinton, before the break, you mentioned Shoddy. It almost sounds to me, Clinton, as if you're wondering if this number one rushing offense from 2018 is going to expand the rushing game in 2019. And and I feel like after the loss to the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, people are kind of hoping it for to, to kind of swing back toward, you know, the pendulum swinging. Like last year, we saw it swing all the way to the right. It can't go to the right any further. It has to come back <laughs> to, to more pass. But you're saying there's more there's more room to go with the pendulum on the other side. Reading reading the tea leaves, right? I mean, the, the on the one factor, you give Russell Wilson the, the, the contract he deserves and that gets done. And then people say, well, if you give him that kind of contract he's got to throw the ball 50 times a game that's not happening like don't be stupid right, we, that's we not don't happening. throw the ball 50 times a game he's not going to do it this year and not with this group and not with schottenheimer and not with this line and not with those running backs like we're, we're going to run the ball but if i look at baldwin being gone and i start to just question well let's say 10 percent more of the time russell's going to keep the ball because he doesn't have that go-to third down dude other than george fant Let's. <laughs> I didn't say. I didn't say. You know, uh, the third, whatever that was, second and second and uh, ten, where he, where he trips up for for nine and a half yards again. But uh, listen, I wish Fant the best. I hope he super surprises me, and I hope he has a great a great season and catches over ten balls. He's going to be, be the guy doing those tiptoe catches on the sideline, going out of bounds that Baldwin would do. He's he'll be the guy to take that role over. Just I, I can't I wait. I love it. That's uh, I will. I will get a. If I see, I, I'll make a deal right now. If I see one, one tiptoe, like you know, uh, what is what is uh, Burleson call them? The, the toe drag swag, right? Yeah, on, yeah. on Good Good Morning uh, Football. <laughs> if we see one George Fant toe drag swag, the, and the entire flockers could call me out on this. I will buy a George Fant jersey. Okay, so we, you, that that is on. The yes, right now. we have our first wager of the 2019 season. It just makes me happy that that's what you it go, is. You go to me into that one, but I'll <laughs> I'll take it. But it's got to be a true uh, toe drag swag, yeah. and we can put it to a vote if it's if it's debatable. But with that, you know, I, I actually think we we are in position to run the ball at least as much 
And, uh, you know, I, I hate to disappoint people, but, but possibly more. But by the way, that doesn't mean that we also decrease our passes in total if, we're, if our total play volume goes up as right. well, right? I'm looking for the whole pie, the whole pie to grow um, and not just a percentage of the pie going to run. So I'm looking at it as more, maybe maybe we're a faster paced offense and, and um, than, than we were even last year. So that that's that's a possibility too. Well, it is a possibility. And that was one of the things that I think came up in my discussion with Oscar of Better Rivals when we were going through our NFC West rivals on the Seahawkers podcast. He brought up the fact that the Seahawks were one of the most uh, prolific three and out teams in the NFL last year. So if you reduce that, then I think that's giving you more opportunities for attempts on the running side and because you're moving the football. 100 percent. I remember that was a good that was a solid pod. And when he brought that stat up, I was like, that's interesting because it was it was I think he classified it as like nearly boom or bust. Right. Right. So if they if they had three and out, obviously you're punting, it's three and out. And then when they didn't they had continued sustained drive success. So, you know, cutting back on three and outs doesn't seem like the hardest thing to do in the world if you just game plan differently. And it's a cl- that, and that would do it right there. So you cut back on your three and outs 15% and cool. That means you probably added, you know, just uh, throwing it out there, probably added 50 more plays to, to the year or something like that. 75 more plays to the year. That's significant. So yeah, for anybody who's really looking for us to, to cut back on run the ball, I just do not see it. I also think the philosophy of everybody in the NFL, you know, zigging one way and and the Seahawks saying, nope, we're going to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it our way. Um, There is always a market. Whenever something is super hot one way, there's always money to be made doing the exact opposite. And I think that's what the Seahawks are going to do again this year. And frankly, I'm okay with it. I think it, uh, I think it's a a pretty fun, fun brand of football. So yeah, I mean, back to, back to the, to, to to those core running backs though too it's like i think the of all the biggest questions it's going to be which one of these dudes actually is the guy out of the backfield who gets who gets these targets who gets these receptions that's the one where i'm the fuzziest you know i still think Car- carson gets the most the most carries i think by a good amount i think homer is the dude that is gets the opportunity to be the third back the most opportunities there but i don't know who gets is who's going to get the majority of those targets. And and now that that's the one to me, that's still the the biggest question that's out there. And I don't think we're going to know that for probably until the season begins. We might start to get a glimpse of it in the preseason, but that's definitely going to be one to watch and to go back to it in terms of running the football. I saw a rankings list of which teams in the NFL had the best defensive lines to go up against the run. And the bottom three teams in the entire NFL, and I can't remember the exact order, but the bottom three teams in the NFL were the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. All three of them jammed at the bottom for going up against the run. So if you're looking division wise and there's three teams that the Seahawks are going to go up against twice a year and maybe they're at the bottom because of last year that the Seahawks run the ball so much that that that's carrying over into the (laughs) rankings for 2019 but I just thought that was a little bit curious to see those three teams all bunched together at the bottom of those rankings I like that you know you know those teams like that typically don't do they typically don't win championships right so so if you're telling me that's three of the easiest in the league to rack up them yards against like 
that 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 makes me happy. I mean, hey, there's 16 games a year, so what's uh what's what's six into 16 or 16 divided by six? We're talking about what 40 percent or so, right? Something like that. So, um, You're asking me to do oh, math, and and I, we're I, we're I, trying I, to close the show out right now, Clinton. Yeah, you're, you're, you're dragging it out at this point, trying to do math. <laughs> didn't mean to throw math at you live. That that's my bad, but. Hey, well, I like I like those odds. I like that math. Those three jammed at the bottom there. We are we're gonna run the ball down their throats again this year, which is gonna be which is gonna be super sweet. Listen, um, this is and anybody who's got those 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 illusions of grandeur that that we're we're throwing the ball forty times a game, forty five times a game. It ain't happening. The running backs are wh- where it's going to happen. So I think the big takeaways for me here were, uh, for me again, Carson is the one. But I, I my if we're predicting something, my prediction is Russell Wilson actually runs the ball more this mm. year. And as a whole, we actually run the ball more, just more volume plays than we did last year, because looking at the math, looking at the three and out, like you called it earlier, looking at things like we don't have Baldwin. So I, I just expect actually more running. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Can Rashad Penny and Chris Carson go dual 1000 yards uh, a piece? That'd be fun. Oh, that that would be really really cool. I mean, you got some some cool combos. Obviously, uh, Kamara uh, and Ingram last year. I mean, can they? Get, I mean, who knows? I mean, I I don't I do not put Kamara and Penny in the same league at this point. We'll see. No, but but boy oh boy, it would be super super cool if we could get some. You know, if we're like eighty to ninety percent of that kind of combination, that would be a, a dangerous duo. That would be amazing. Those amazing to see. Well, one thing that was amazing to see that I wanted to mention to you on our way out the door, uh, obviously, Gary Jennings was listening to our initial podcast about, you know, getting out there and getting himself on Instagram. Not only did we see the shirtless hype pics uh, on Gary Jennings Twitter feed, we come to find out that he even he went as far to Photoshop his abs uh, into those photos. And that's going so, that's going be above and beyond. So so I saw the same tweet. I mean, uh, I, I think it was he was he in jest. I think he was in jest. Yes, that he's I think he's just just that jacked or maybe he just, you know, he just sees he just sees Metcalf and he's like, well, dude, I, I, I need the hype. I got to go. I got to go, you know, Barbie and Ken airbrush these things on. But but regardless, uh, yeah, dude, the dude, Gary Jennings also jacked clearly is listening to listening to the podcast he, he took our advice he ran with it but i think it's pretty uh pretty amazing right we call for we call for the dude to have shirtless picks and i think within 24 hours and then you know two times in the week you know voila shirtless picks of gary jennings all over social media so you're welcome guess, everybody to another- everybody who is waiting for those gary jennings shirtless picks you're welcome uh, exactly. Which I think, I think there are some members of, of the flock who, uh, you know, I, I won't, me- I won't mention, let's say, Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Mrs. Baldwin from the flock, you know, you know who you are now that Baldwin's not there. Now you have some, I would say maybe new, maybe some new eye candy and Gary Jennings to, to, you know, make up for Baldwin's absence. You gotta, you gotta fill in those gaps somewhere. Correct. This is what we got. Listen, le- le- you know, Obladi, Oblada life goes on, you know, Gary Jennings has, you know, a 12 pack. And with that, I think there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.